This is One Giant Podcast, your source for all things New York football giants. Here are your hosts, Adam Armbrecht and Andy Makowitz. And with that, we are back. Good, sir. How's it hanging on a Monday? Martin Luther King Day. How are you? It's great. You know, it's nice seeing the the AFC-NFC championship games and being able to celebrate the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on Monday. How are you doing, Adam? I'm good, man. Uh, I I didn't realize that it was Martin Luther King Day. So it ended up, you know, until late last night when I realized people weren't going to be answering any of my phone calls for work-related content. So I went ahead and dove in on a little bit of extra giant stuff. and, And that's where we go, man. We dive right in here. Giants News and Notes. So obviously the uh, the Giants continue to build out the coaching staff. We know that there's some some other speculation around some uh, positional coaches, but one of the things just to touch on here, we we, we highlighted last episode, Jason Garrett in the door. Um, you know, we wondered how is he going to impact Daniel Jones, and this isn't really too much hard hitting uh, news reporting, but. He thought, uh, we mentioned that he said it felt like a good fit coming over to the Giants and then specifically asked about Daniel Jones. We, quote, you know, the Cowboys, thought a lot of him coming out of college, uh, said Jason Garrett. We weren't in the market for a quarterback in the first round, but you still go through the evaluation process. Anyone that was around him or in our organization with the Cowboys just thought the world of him. He was highly regarded on our draft board. And then he went on to say in so many words, you know, watching him on the field, obviously, for two games, uh, last year, uh, taking on the Dallas Cowboys, being able to get a chance with how he played. He thought he really did well for himself as a rookie, being able to come out, handle himself fairly well. We know the issues that he had with fumbles and stuff, but uh, just from afar, without being able to get in the building and evaluate, Garrett likes what he saw on tape from Daniel Jones. You wouldn't expect him to say anything different, uh, but I do still think it's nice even to get that little inside take from the Cowboys of how maybe they evaluated him in spite of not needing a quarterback going into last year's draft. Well, yeah, I think it's I think it's been stated how uh, respected Garrett is in his development of quarterbacks like Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. Um, when you talk about familiarity, uh, a funny little rumor has popped up uh, around the Cowboys and Jason Garrett since he's been hired as offensive coordinator. Adam, th- does the name Jason Witten mean anything to you? You know, I, I almost uh, I, I forgot about it before we did our show notes. But, yeah, there, there's some speculation about whether or not could be reunited with Garrett, whether it's as a player, if he wants to continue his, his career, or coming in as a coach. Um, listen, I don't know if I would be against it kind of either way, really. I know some people said they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't like it, um, you know, from a Giants fan perspective. But, you know, this is a guy that knows how to play the position, right? Has played it at a high level for a number of years. He's obviously not the player he was in his prime, but there's a lot of value, a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, you know, from, from Jason Witten inside that room. We talk about studying film. Uh, if you're going to hold on to Evan Ingram, does still having that veteran presence bring value for him maybe learning and getting better? Uh, and then specifically on the other side of it, I would actually love him even more as a tight ends coach. If you want to bring him in and have him work with them just off the field, and try to build up Caden Smith, again, Evan Ingram if you hold on to him, or a young tight end if you draft somebody in. So uh, I'm not against it at all. I, from, from the way I've heard Jason Witten talk, I, I think that he is intelligent. He plays the, the position from a, you know X's and O's. He plays it smart, right? He's not the most talented from an ath- athletic standpoint, but he certainly was able to get a lot accomplished on the field, both receiving and specifically for the Giants, as a blocking tight end. 
Yeah. And you look at the, I know that leadership quote unquote is one of those intangibles that you can't really see too much on the field. And yes, Jason Witten has lost a step. He, he doesn't get very much separation, but I, I'm, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. I think I prefer him more as a tight ends coach, but if we give him the veterans minimum and he comes in and he's in that room with Evan Ingram and with Caden Smith, he's kind of a de facto coach anyway. And if he gets in in, in some, you know, pass blocking situations and short down yardage, I don't see too much of a downside there, you know, especially knowing that he's already familiar with Garrett's system, having been in it basically for the last 10, 12, whatever, however many years it's been. Yeah. You know, not too much else to say until we get more news. If something were to come around here, more, more of a rumor right now than anything else. But uh, think about some, you know, some jumbo packages or when you want to have two tight ends on the line, Caden Smith, I think proved his value in the blocking game. Like you said, veterans minimum to have a guy that can walk right in there and go ahead and step onto the other end of the line with Caden Smith at times uh, and take Evan Ingram off the field or maybe Ingram is split out wide at some point uh, and just have that much more consistency across that line from a blocking perspective, whether it's for Daniel Jones or to open up some holes for Saquon Barkley. So we'll have to wait and see on that one, but I, I certainly don't have any of the negative connotations that some fans had around the Jason Garrett hire because he was coming from the Cowboys. Likewise, for Jason Witten. Uh, he's a quality player that's been in the league a long time. I'd be happy to have him. Uh, the only other big news and note is the, again, rumor here uh, that the possibility that, that the Giants could be plucking uh, off of uh, Nick Saban's staff there, Burns, to come across and be the running backs coach in the room with Saquon Barkley. Nothing's confirmed right now, but uh, this feels like another quality hire, right, fleshing out this coaching staff. Yeah, you can see what the Giants are, are looking to accomplish. They're looking for, you know, if, if it's not necessarily someone with uh, a ton of NFL experience, it's coming from coaching trees of successful college or NFL programs. So I think this is another great hire. And you, you kind of, if, if anyone knows, uh, Alabama is kind of running back university. They've had quite a few different Heisman uh, guys come through in the last few years. You look at the success Derek Henry had recently. And, and Mark Ingram came out on Twitter and basically said, uh, he's one of the best coaches that he's ever had, and he's excited for him. And, you know, you see the success that a lot of these Alabama running backs have had. It, it only can make you feel good and comfortable with what they're trying to do and, and how they're trying to get, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley to the next level. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So, again, these are those little news and notes that we're going to continue to follow the, the breadcrumb trail on until something official comes out. But I, I, this goes back to Joe Judge coming in and building this staff. So far, so good. I really like it. I will quickly also mention, I know a lot of people were talking about Callahan coming in uh, as an offensive line coach. That's still hanging out there. But I would probably end up on the, on the side of saying it's not going to happen, not because I don't like him, because uh, it looks like there's going to be a lot of competition for his services. So I think he may be able to get himself into potentially a, a more prominent role on another staff, depending on which route he chooses to go. So that's probably the last footnote uh, that we have in terms of the coaching staff and any news and speculation around that. 2020 NFL Draft. Okay, so last episode was a cliffhanger where Andy and I uh, kind of exchanged potential scenarios and possibilities for the other to ponder over here. And now a couple of days removed, Andy, uh, we go ahead and talk about what I had left you to think about. We were, we were discussing the draft, obviously, free agency, where are the Giants going to go? And I asked you, in the scenario, this is a, a no trade down scenario for the New York football Giants. Would you, how would you feel about signing right tackle uh, Jack Conklin from the Tennessee Titans, getting Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars to be an edge rusher there for us, 
And then in the draft, taking Simmons at fourth overall. And if required, maybe moving up a little bit. But because this was your, your man that you, you've had circled now as far as an offensive lineman in the draft uh, out of Iowa, getting Werfs there, high at two, or possibly having to move up to get him. If that was the four-player scenario, two big free agent acquisitions, and then earmarking these two players in the first couple of rounds there for the Giants, how would that feel for you? So I left last week's, or, you know, our last episode thinking that would be a slam dunk home run. And the more I thought about it, the more I was actually worried about that scenario. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why is, is about, you know, two or three different things. First is Conklin is a right tackle, right? And we've shown that we absolutely need another solution other than our trusty Nate Solder on the, on the left-hand side. And we're going to be shelling out quite a few dollars. I think the, the last report I saw was, was anywhere from 14 to $16 million for Jack Conklin. That is a, a lot for a right tackle that's not protecting Daniel Jones' blind side. So that's the first thing. We, we'd still have to address the left tackle position after that. Um, the second thing is, uh, you know, in order to get someone like Werfs, who I've seen go anywhere from, you know, 8th to 15th in, in, in most mock drafts, and uh, even the you know Willis from Alabama, one of the offensive tackles who projects to be a potential left tackle, is going you know anywhere from twelve to to twenty. Man, Adam, we sure could use a third round pick in our arsenal <laughs> to be able to trade up and use that draft capital to go get one of those offensive tackles. But I don't know. Do you know, do you know where it went? Where where did our where did our third round pick go? I, I'm pretty. I know. You know what it is. Is what, what you have to do, and people don't know this about the NFL. You have physical uh, draft tokens that you have to carry around. And unfortunately, we had given it to one of the lower-ranking staff members on New York Football Giants. He had a satchel or a, a papoose, as you would, that he was carrying them around in. And unfortunately, he lost them. I think it was the St. Patrick's Day Parade. One of the, the tokens, the third-round token, fell out of his pocket. So listen, it's unfortunate, but it, it happens. So there's literally no one to blame, and there's no transaction. Yeah, no, no one. No yeah. one to blame. There's no one to blame. It's nobody's fault. But we don't have a third-round pick, and we, you know, that means that if we want to do something, we're going to have to get even more creative and potentially trade a first-round pick next year or a second-round pick, to, you know, and, and other draft capital to be able to move up. And so, uh, you know, that, that scenario that you painted addresses a lot of different needs that we have. But I feel like there are challenges to those, you know, four different well, players coming in, you know? Well, and let's say, let, let's say that you stand pat at the top of the second round and you're taking best of available offensive linemen, right? Because I think you're right. So many of these ranges are moving around. Some guys, you know, like Andrew Thomas now feels like he may not be the lock there as the first overall uh, tackle to be taken in the draft. So there's a lot of fluidity there. And worse has kind of swirled up and down of the draft boards a little bit. So let's just say you take best overall right? Let's just say you're plugging in the best overall offensive lineman there at fourth overall in the second round. Would that package still make sense for you? Like you said, you're going to spend, you know, maybe 14, 15 million on a guy like Conklin, understanding the needs there. Um, but, you know, with that package, you're, you have more concerns about putting out that money uh, for a right tackle, knowing the other needs that you have. And you, so are you saying you'd probably trend in the direction of you'd rather them go uh, offensive tackle there for? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. The more I think about it, while I love Simmons and you look at how rangy and athletic and multidimensional he is, and you look at someone like Dribble Peppers, who gives you that same versatility you mm -hmm. know, in, 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 at the safety position, we can throw a lot of unique schemes and, and unique concepts when we're talking about blitzing or dropping back into different coverages. It, it provides you that flexibility to really give uh, you know, the quarterback a bunch of different looks. 
But to be honest with you, Adam, we need to figure out how to, to shore up the offensive line. And while Conklin is great and will cost $15 million, there's still glaring holes at the left tackle position as well as the center position. I, I don't think we're necessarily established there. And it, to me, the only guaranteed person on this line heading into next year is Zeitler at, at right guard. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and by the way, because we're kind of blending in between our, our draft and free agency in these, in these uh, different segments here for this episode, but one of the reasons why we're talking about standing padded four is because some rumor, even though the Bengals have come out and said they're not moving out of the top spot, now Carolina, it, it's coming out that maybe they're going to try to get up there to one because they want Joe Burrows to be the centerpiece to this rebuild uh, under Matt Rule there down for the Panthers. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I don't think we can necessarily rely so heavily on these trade down options that some people have been talking about, because once one of those kind of dominoes falls, all of a sudden you don't know how everything else plays out. So I think there's too many variables there to really lock into it. Um, Adam, didn't, didn't also Dave Gettleman say, I didn't sign Odell Beckham to this massive contract to then go trade him. And didn't, didn't Shot Khan say, Jalen Ramsey will be a part of this Jaguars organization <laughs> moving forward. There is, there's nothing going to be happening in terms of the trade front. It's so funny during the off season when there's nothing going on, all of these coaches and general managers speak in all of these different absolutes. They're absolutely not going to do something. And then quickly they pivot. And two weeks later, the thing that they said they would never do, they did. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. And that's why I think like the Bengals saying, no way would we possibly move off of this. And it's like, well, yeah until someone puts an offer in front of you and you go, Oh, I didn't really, my, 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 I didn't realize you meant drop down to seven where I still may be able to get a quarterback there if I wanted to. And you're going to give me a treasure trove because you know, get it to number one, you're talking about multiple first round picks. You're talking about multiple second round picks. And for the, for the Bengals who probably take that step back and say, we know we have a lot to you know rebuild here on our roster. That's probably going to be pretty tantalizing. Free agency targets. So we, we left our listeners hanging on two questions. One was, you asked me if I would like that setup. And then my second portion of it is, if we get some kind of combination of those players, you know, my question to you is, how far off are we if we find a way to sign a right tackle, draft a linebacker in free agency, be able to, you know, sign one of the premier defensive ends? How far away is this team if we do something like that? That's right. This is that. This is what we call it, the old tease in the business. So for me, and this does go back to a part of what partially, partially what you mentioned there about the question marks across the offensive line. You want to ask me, how does this team become, you know, at least on the fringe of maybe playoff competitive next season? And if I look at it that way, I go the combination of free agency and the draft. And this is really the scenario that I paint out again, holding myself to that fourth overall pick, no trade down scenarios here in free agency. I personally think that $14 million or $15 million, that's what it's going to take to get Conklin. That's what you need to go do in free agency because you, you do have these question marks and you're not going to solve all of them through the draft. You're going to have to do the combination of both. So I go out and I get Conklin there. and I plug him in right at right tackle. Again, we highlighted 14 points higher on pro football focus over the play of Mike Remmers this past year. Instant improvement there. We like Zeitler. You mentioned it. Best, best offensive lineman we had. Then what you brought up, Center position is still a concern. 
McGovern out of uh, Denver, played, in Den- played for the Denver Broncos last year, a 72 on pro football focus, quality center. Get, you, you know what you're getting out of him. Now all of a sudden you bring him in there, probably end up costing you in that $10 million, $12 million range potentially for a center, not, not as costly as tackles are. But you're going to go spend another $10 million, $12 million there to get him in the door. Now all of a sudden, the right side of that line, three-fifths of your line, if you have McGovern, Zeitler, and Conklin, that's something that you can hang your hat on. And it, isn't, it doesn't take care of the left tackle position, and we know that that's an issue, but this, this does solve a lot of your problems. And then you get to give uh, a guy like Hernandez some stability alongside of him and say, look, you, you know that you're going to be able to work with this set of unit here for the next handful of years, and you see how that develops. But, again, it would be a marked improvement. So you're talking but, about – But, Adam, Adam, yeah. I, I appreciate your scenario, but – Think about what you just came back with. You said, okay, we need to spend $15 million on a right tackle. We already have a right guard that's making $12.5 million in terms of a cap hit. Then all the reports uh, that I'm reading about McGovern say we're going to have to spend at least $11 million in free agency. Then we have Nate Solder on the left-hand side that had the largest left tackle. Andy, Andy, Andy I, I, can't, I can't sit here and apologize for the sins of the past and not make the right decisions for the future, though. I can't. But, I, 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 know that, I know Nate Soldier's contract is terrible, but I, I can't not sign somebody that I think is going to improve this team because I made a mistake on a guy two seasons ago. But then you're going to have you know sixty something, sixty million dollars just invested in the offensive line. Whereas if you draft someone like Thomas at four, or you you, you draft Worfs, or, or you can do anything to draft an offensive tackle, you find a way to get a cheap, controllable asset that can be on that line that you don't have to spend crazy amounts of money on a hundred percent i don't i don't knock i don't knock that premise but listen this is twofold one a controllable asset is still an asset that needs to get developed so you know there's no guarantee about what these guys are and again this is about me painting the picture about the giants being borderline playoff competitive next year so in that in that mind frame right now we're projected for 80 million dollars of cap room it could go up a little bit more with some additional moves could get as far as 90 we know we're not going to spend all of that but to your point, so let, you know, I'll walk my way through this scenario here. If this is what it takes, this is what it takes. And you can say whether or not McGovern is 100% needed because I can feather it two ways for you. You can get McGovern if you want in free agency, or you can earmark that second-round pick in the draft as being where you go after a, a center or, or a tackle, best available offensive lineman, not unlike what we were talking about for you. But you get Conklin right now. Say you get McGovern. Then you go out and you get a veteran player. This isn't someone who's going to cost you, not going to cost you the farm here. Quality player to have in the room, versatile player in Van Noy, connection with Joe Judge from the Patriots. You plug him in there in that linebacking core. Uh, you know, the dollars and cents of this are going to be tricky. It's probably somewhere around that six, you know, six to eight million, maybe something that probably a little bit less, if I'm being honest. Probably six is probably the high end for him, uh, 28, 29 years old. So, uh, and he's not considered to be one of the best linebackers available. You also go out there and you get Ngakwe. Right, so this is what we're talking about here. You're talking about spending about sixty million dollars in free agency. You're not going to spend all of it, but you are going to spend to get four quality players in the door. And what you've accomplished in doing this is you fixed the right side of your line. Three fifths of it is locked up and ready to go. You've also brought in someone to replace who we feel like has been a subpar player there uh, in uh, Ogletree there in the linebacking core. I also don't anticipate the Giants bringing back Marcus Golden. I think it's going to be too rich. I think he earned himself a better contract somewhere else, and that was about Betcher and that scheme necessarily. So bringing in Ngakwe then replaces that edge rusher that you need there. 
And then when you go into the draft, for me, after you've made these moves, again, you want to be playoff borderline competitive here next season. You go ahead and you take Okuda at four. You instantly plug him in. He is about as a sure thing at cornerback coming up in this draft as anyone's seen, according to all of the reports, you know, and the reviews on him. And then at that second round pick, again, it's one of two things. Either if you've taken McGovern in free agency, you go ahead and you look for an additional linebacker, edge rusher player there in the second round. Or if you want to flip it and say you don't get McGovern in free agency, you go ahead and take a look at best offensive lineman available. So you can paint the picture whichever way you want. And if you don't prefer to spend that much on the line because you know you have still Soldier's contract there, then go ahead and look for the best available offensive tackle that can go in behind Soldier, open competition in training camp, and then hopefully, hope, ideally, you know, Soldier plays better, right? And Joe Judge knows what he's best suited for within the offensive scheme. And he gets at least one decent year out of him. And then we part ways. Or if the rookie beats him out, he beats him out. And you either have a very expensive backup or you cut him. We went to that scenario last podcast. You cut him. You get a little bit of extra cap room. You have some dead money there. But you deal with that because, again, it's about rolling this over. That, to me, is the combination. You're going to have to spend around $60 million in free agency and then still blend in some extra players there. And I think the secondary is going to be the biggest area of need in the draft. So I lock into Okuda and I say, okay, you know, now we've gotten an extra body there in that secondary could come in and potentially be your number one immediately. You've improved the linebacking core. You've improved your edge and your ability to get at the passer. And you've also improved the passing pass protection and run game for yourself. So you've across the board, helped this roster get better and hopefully move the needle to the tune of two to three wins next year and get yourself into that seven, you know, seven and nine, maybe you know, eight and eight things start to break the right way. And in the NFC East, that's enough to be in that window of competitive and talking about getting into the playoffs. So Adam, I, I don't disagree that that is a path the team can take. hundred percent agreement. Thank you very much. I, 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 I my, my challenge is we talked on this podcast, the one giant podcast has pumped up Nick Gates's ability to step in and play. And he's a young cheap controllable asset mm-hmm. we know that he is not prepared to be a starting left tackle in this league and if he were to be plugged in there I think it would be it would be ruthless to, to do that to, to someone like him who we're trying to develop right now when we've plugged him in at right tackle he seemed to be competent and serviceable to the point where you know is the delta that we'd be getting signing Jack Conklin over Nick Gates where we could spend that 15 million in other places worth it and that's mm-hmm. where my challenge kind of comes in. If we say Nick Gates is the guy on the right-hand side, and then we think to ourselves, whatever happens with, with our, our buddy Nate on the left side, we immediately address the offensive line through the draft and draft an offensive tackle first. That leaves us an embarrassment of riches to be able to shore up the linebacking position, the cornerback position, all these different areas that we need to focus. So for me, while our offensive line has been a mess, I think about – internal and through the draft on the line and then worry about defense on free agency. So it's, it's interesting that you and I are kind of flipped in where we think the draft and internal resources should go versus our free agent dollars. Yeah. And, and listen, to be fair, that's a really good point. Cause I, I, I you, you, we've both been happy with him and I was certainly being the drum of Nick Gates. I think he performed well. And I think there's enough on tape from him this past year to say he can be potentially a starting right tackle for you. So I don't, I don't knock that. And maybe there's some value saying, even if you sign Conklin 
then starting to develop Gates out at left tackle. You know, maybe, maybe you can give him the time to develop there. I don't know if that, you know, don't know if that translates. Don't know if Conklin has the left tackle potential. And I certainly would feel uncomfortable going out to free agency, spending $50 million on him, and then having, you know, over $30 million locked up into the position. So, you know, you're, it's not unreasonable. And I, can pay, I could see a scenario where, you know, in that scenario you highlight, I still go out and get McGovern then, right? I say, Nick Gates is my starting right tackle. I go get McGovern so it improves our center position. Tackle is still on the table in the draft. And if you wanted to go that way, I've had this discussion with a famed friend of the show, Pizza Mike, who, who we're talking about, uh, I think it's Bradbury there in Carolina, who was drafted by Dave Gettleman. He'd be, this would be kind of going back to that scenario where it didn't work out in terms of where the franchise ended up going over those handful of years. But if you remember, when we brought in Janoris Jenkins, it was a quality, it was great, right? It was a quality cornerback to come in and stabilize the secondary. It didn't work out because we weren't trending up. We were trending down. But bringing in a veteran cornerback, something that I'm leery of giving big dollars to the cornerback position. But you could go that route of saying McGovern, then you go ahead and get a Bradbury in there. And all of a sudden, what that ends up flipping, because you can still put Ngakwe into that mix. Van Noy is a veteran presence. Great. And now, to your, to your thoughts, now the offensive tackle at four becomes a very viable option. You go ahead and take him there. And then, again, that second-round pick gets opened up to a linebacker, edge rusher, or wherever you think the most glaring need is on the roster at that point. You can go ahead and make those kind of decisions at the time. So, listen, I, I think what this tells everybody is – there's going to be a lot of different scenarios that can play out. And with free agency coming first, you're going to start to, you know, it's going to start to come together for you, right? You're going to know what the Giants, what Joe Judge looked at and said, these are the biggest areas I need to improve. This is what I feel about specifically Nick Gates when I watched his film. You're going to know that right away in free agency. If they don't go out and sign a, a Conklin, I don't think they're bringing in some mid-level guy. So I think it's kind of an all or nothing, right? Either we need a right tackle automatically or we like Gates, and that's who we're going with. And then you move down the line, and you'll start to see those dominoes fall. So, well, and, and, to, and to your point, I mean, look at the two championship games that we saw yesterday. I think unless you have the best player on the planet in Patrick Mahomes, who ha- is, is just tremendous and ridiculous, you look at how the Titans got there, and Derrick Henry was running the ball, but it was guys like Jack Conklin on his offensive line that were – making sure that he wasn't getting hit in the backfield. And when he was falling forward, he was falling forward for six, seven, eight yards of carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I mean, look at San Francisco. Tevin Coleman got hurt and Mostart and Brita, you know, were, were plugged in there. Mostart had two, over 200 yards. He had the second most ever in postseason history. And it's a credit to the offensive line. They were bulldozing and manhandling. And so I think you and I are both saying, we have to shore up the offensive line no matter what. It's just a matter of how do we decide to go about it. Yeah, and again, it probably comes down to what confidence do you have in, in the players you're looking at in the draft versus the people that are available in free agency, right? Like, what, what can you guarantee you have there going into next year? And that's where you, you have to take in the, the evaluation of risk versus reward about if we need a year to develop a younger player, what's the consistency we get from a guy in free agency, and what's the value that we get based on what it's going to cost to get him in the door. So, Listen, that's the tight one for you, friends. In and out the door. We answer the questions that we posed to one another from the last episode. We're going to be coming in at the middle of the week here. There could be some more coaching updates coming down the pike here. And from that standpoint, Andy, I think maybe now this could be a fun one to do. We can always bounce these around and get back into this early round stuff. But I think maybe let's, let's start to take a look at that late third round pick, 
fourth and fifth rounds. Where do the Giants want to go here? Because for me, and I, and I think probably for you as well, this is where you start to talk about the wide receiver options, uh, back end of those middle rounds, about getting another running back in this room to help support the load for Saquon Barkley or, you know, who's still on the roster, all that kind of stuff. So uh, maybe that's going to be the big question for the next episode, Andy. Where do the Giants look to go here to fill out this roster when you need a couple of those hits, a la uh, Darius Slayton, in those later rounds? And I think, you know, what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, it, it wouldn't be right to not mention the big game coming up. And I think, you know, Adam and I have talked, we'd love to uh, maybe look at some of the potential free agents on, on each of those teams yep. and if any of them make a good fit for the Giants. So knowing that there's no football uh, for next this upcoming weekend means a lot of talk about the New York football Giants and, and what they want to do in the offseason. You better believe it, buddy. We will be back on soon. Catch up with you then. Let's go Big Blue. You can follow Adam and Andy at One Giant Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. This has been One Giant Podcast.